Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We're, 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 still, we're still talking about your presence, but we don't want to talk about it. I'm reminded of that, is it, it Misty Edwards just saying, I don't, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and rest on us. We don't want to just talk about you. We want to experience you. We want to know you. We want to encounter you. We can't just know you by reading a book. The commentary is great. The autobiography or biography, however you say it, that's great. We want to know you. We don't just want to read about you. So would you come? Would you come? Would you fill us again? Would this be an Acts 4 moment? Fill us again, Holy Spirit. Rest on us again. Break off the Hardness of heart. Break off the busyness and complacency. We invite you to do a work, a significant work. And if you're not a respecter of peace, of people, I suspect you're not a respecter of places either. So we ask what you're doing in so many places throughout the earth in terms of an awakening seems to be happening. Would you do it here, God? Would you do it here, God? One by one. Would you transform this region? We just invite you. Come and have your way, God. We confess there are things that you do that make us uncomfortable, but we're willing, we're willing to go there. There are things that we see with our eyes that offend us. We don't understand. But we're willing to experience it, God, if it's you. We want your fullness. You know, in, in Psalms 1611, I, I talk a little bit about the joy of the Lord, but in effect, really, I'm, I'm using that as a, as a line to his presence. Psalm 1611 says there's fullness of joy in his presence. Do you know that? There's fullness of joy in God's presence. Now, I, I, I've searched it fairly thoroughly, and, and, and maybe some theologian would disagree with me, but as usual, they would be wrong. We, we so often, and, I, and I've heard you know, countless uh, teachers you know, teach on, on joy versus happiness. Has anybody ever heard a, a message like that? And, and, and usually they'll say something like, you know, well, there's this, 
There's this inner joy that, that you can have, and it's this, it's unshakable, and it's not, you know, it's not, uh, circumstances don't affect it or determine it, and, you know, and, and in contrast, you know, happiness is something that's fleeting. Happiness is something that is swayed by, by circumstances, and, you know, obviously, we're not happy at any given moment when bad things are happening, and so there's this contrast, a dichotomy that's made between this joy that we can have in our faith and, and this and this, this happiness that in a sense we're all striving for. And I want to submit to you this morning that the scriptures have no such dichotomy. Uh, go look it up. Go look it up, theologians. You know, when it talks about joy in the Bible, guess what, guys? It's talking about happiness. Go, go look it up in the original language. They're indistinguishable and interchangeable depending on the scripture. And so when it talks about the the fullness of joy is in God's presence, it really actually is talking about happiness. And I, and I think the reason that we make such a dichotomy is because we don't, we just don't believe that God is that good. We really, it's like, and I know mentally you kind of go, that's an offensive thing to say, right? Like mentally we're like, no, I know, I know that he's that good. But like in the way that it works out in our hearts and our minds, like we, we, we fall short in our expectation. We're like, it can't possibly mean that there's happiness. And so we, we create this false dichotomy, this over-spiritualized dichotomy that says, well, regardless of the circumstances you face, there's this inner joy that's there. He's not really talking about making you happy. And I'm here to tell you, that's not biblically, that's not what it says. And, and I think it's because of this. I, like, I, I think it's because far too few of us have actually experienced his presence at the fullness level. There's, like, there's, like, there's, a, there's a fullness that can be happened. There's, a, there's an encounter with God that goes beyond. I would guarantee you anything that anybody in this room has experienced at this moment. And I would say we try to make this false dichotomy because we don't fully understand what's available to us in the place of his presence. We don't understand what's available to us in the place of encounter with the the Holy Spirit. And so we kind of go, well, like God can't be, he can't be that good. Like God doesn't want me happy. You know, and, and then we pack other doctrines on top of it, you know, and, and, and we get this thing that kind of goes through the church that, that seems to, to emphasize and value seriousness over being happy. Well, at least in this building, you seem to be okay with being happy everywhere else. Had a pretty good Chiefs game here the other day. We try to turn to so many different things. You know, to, to books. We escape some of us into books. You're weirdos, if that's you. <laughs> that's my wife. So, the captain of the weirdos movies, you know, lately, Justin Kugelman's been barbecuing meat, a couple of you barbecuers out there, you know, some of us, we just want to go to the lake, you know, I'm just like, that's where I'm going to find my happiness, let's, let's check out, let's go to the lake, let's just do something, let's, let's get around people, people, people are my happiness, let's, let's, let's do some activity, let's go to a Chiefs game, let's do anything, let's, I, I mean, to the extent, like the worst case scenario is then we turn to drugs and alcohol, 
And, it, and it's not, with the exception of the last example, like, it's not that most of the things are bad. We're actually designed to be in community and to experience like, a, a part of the joy of God in the place of community as we relate, relate to others. But here's what I want to submit to you. It says that there's fullness of joy in His presence. It doesn't say that there's fullness of joy on the jet ski. Listen, I love it. Like, I you strap a motor on anything. Like, I'm gonna, this, this is going to be great. I, I love that. I, like, I, barbecue, that's great. You know, watching movies, we love to check out and do nothing, right? I, I get it. I understand. But there's fullness of joy in his presence. That means that all of those other things pale in comparison. That means that everything else actually falls short. Do you hear that? Like, and, and again, I, I think the reason that like most of us would be like, I, just, I would probably rather just go to the lake. That's because you haven't experienced his presence at the level that is available to you right now this morning. You haven't encountered him at the level at which he desires. So there, there's more. When we're talking about this core value of his presence, like we could just as well say, like, there's more. There's more available to you. And I would say he's worthy of the pursuit of that. And it's, and it's more than just this. It's more than just this internal thing that kind of, and listen, I'm not denying that there's an internal joy in the faith. I'm just denying that there's a biblical dichotomy between joy and happiness. I'm here to submit to you. There's actual happiness in his presence. That's why when the, when the Spirit of God pours out in, in revivals for the last 200 years, you've seen half the time you see people laughing. And Rodney Howard Brown, crazy heretic. It's, it's a joke. You know, it resurrected this whole like laughing revival stuff. And people are like, that, that can't possibly be God. Right, that can't be God because the kingdom of God is, is righteousness, peace, and seriousness. That's what we believe, right? I mean, even, like, even in this house, like, I've been chastised, like, I can't believe Pastor Sean makes jokes when we're trying to pray and start the service in the morning. Yeah, I can't believe that the pastor is not so serious and, like, locked into this little box that we call religion. Yeah. Righteousness, peace, and in the Holy Ghost, Right? righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom is expressed in joy, not seriousness. Is there a place to be serious when you're at a funeral? I probably recommend that for a time. Okay, there's a place to be serious, but listen, like, like we have so like exalted seriousness at the expense of happiness. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I like being happy at church. Like, I want to encounter his presence and walk away and feel like a little bit of the depression that the world's trying to throw on me was chipped off that day. How about you? Like, you know, I, I remember a story one time. A guy was out in, in Redding, California. Uh, if you don't know, we're a, a part of the, the Bethel Leaders Network. Uh, Mothership is out there in Redding. And uh, their, their church actually sits on the top of this great big hill. It's the only thing up the hill, actually. And at the base is a gas station and a coffee shop and all kinds of stuff down at the bottom, unrelated to them, just giving you the lay of the land a little bit. And, and this guy kept, uh, this, as the story goes, walking down at the base and getting his coffee. And, and he kept looking up and he says, he says every day he would see all these happy people walking up the hill. And there was a moment when he goes, I want to see why all the people are happy. And so he followed them up to the hill and finds out, well, there's a church up there. And hey, guess what? He gets saved. (laughs) Right? It's like, I want to go where the happy people are. There's a whole lot of depressed people in the world. They stay out there. I want to go where the happy people are. 
but we've exalted and valued something different, and we've created this dichotomy. We've said, well, God doesn't, he's not really concerned about my happiness. No, he is concerned about your obedience. He is concerned about your soul. Like, he is concerned, you know, about your, your knowledge of Christ. He is concerned about sin in your life, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit today. But guess what? Not at the expense of your happiness. Like, he really does actually want you to be happy, and there's fullness of happy in his presence. How many of you want some of that? That was not nearly big enough of an amen. amen. I want some of that. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a time of prayer? And you, you walk away from the prayer, either like, well, ticked off. And there you walk away just like, you know what? I just, you know, frustrated stuff. Or maybe you walk away as sad as you went in or worse. Anybody ever walk away from a prayer time feeling worse than you went in? Some of you are like, never experienced that. If there's fullness of joy in his presence, those of us who have experienced that phenomena, why would you, why would you think that is? Like, why would I walk away from God's presence, allegedly? Why would I walk away from a time of prayer with him and feel as bad as when I went in? Think about your prayer life. What does your prayer life look like? I would propose that most of us probably come to God with a laundry list of stuff that we want him to do. Like, man, God, if you, I just, I need you to intervene over this. Like, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but the money is a little shy. So many political jokes. Yes, Lord, I hear you. The money's a little shy. I, I didn't meet this goal at work. I, you know, these people over here are miserable and they're mean to me. And my boss just, I just don't even enjoy. I'm not, if I don't, I'm not enjoying life right now. And we give them the, the list of all of the stuff that's, that's wrong and going wrong. And, and, and this is just for the people who are actually pray, praying. By the time we get to the end of it, we're like, oh, I guess our time's up. I need to get off to work. Coffee's done. Prayer time is, is done. And actually, all we've done is complain to God, basically. Like, all we've done is give a list of all of the stuff that's going wrong in our life to God. Now, does God want us to present our, the list of stuff? Does he want us to pray for stuff? Sure, he wants us to pray for stuff. But listen to this. When all we do in coming into God's presence is give him the list of all the stuff that we need him to show up over, all the stuff that's wrong and broken and causing misery and all, all we've done is focus on us. That's all we've done the whole time. My time of prayer with God is just as focused just simply on me. And I don't know about you, but I'm not all that exciting. And I can't fix a whole lot by myself. You know, and I don't know the last person. I don't know that I've met anybody who dwells on all the misery in their life and actually comes out the other side happy. Think about that just for a second. When all I've done is give God the laundry list of all the stuff that's going wrong, and then I hit the punch card and head off to work in the morning, all I've done is dwell on the negative. You know, I've done precisely the opposite of what the scriptures tell me to do. There's, there's, there's fullness of joy. There's, there's happiness in his presence. Well, then it has to look different than me meditating through the place of listing my prayers before God. 
It has to look different than the meditation that comes in the, in the, the prayer list that I'm giving him. There's, something has to shift. And I would suggest to you what needs to shift is that your focus in your prayer closet needs to become less of you and more of him. Amen or oh me. Because when my focus is on him, the author and finisher, what's it mean that he's the finisher? It means that right now he's not done yet. He's still working it all for good. The story's not over. He's still moving, right? When I, when I fix my eyes on him, out of the two of us, he's the only one that can actually fix the problems that I've got on my list. Like, there's not very much that I can do about it. And meditating on all that misery in the place of prayer just makes me more miserable. It doesn't really accomplish anything. And I, and I would submit to you something even a little bit further. I would, suggest, I would suggest that we're praying about far too many things that God already said he would take care of if we just followed his protocol. All the stuff that's on our list, he's like, look, I, told, I, I don't know why you're continuing to pray the same thing over and over again. I told you I already got it. Yeah. All right, let's dive into Matthew chapter 6 just a little bit. Starting in verse 6, it says, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask Him. Man, we're, we're, we're coming before God, and we're praying over and over again. Uh, maybe some of us, maybe we feel like he's not listening. So we ask him again. And some of us have wrongly interpreted the scriptures of like the widow that comes and knocks on the door and, you know, just basically annoys him. And you think, your doctrine is you think you need to annoy God. You didn't realize it was actually contrasting the character of God with the people of earth, saying God is immeasurably better than you can ask or think. He's actually going to show up to your aid. Like, he really does care about you. He misses nothing. He sees every single detail. But some of us, we're coming in with these repetitive prayers uh, overseas. They would be a mantra, saying the same thing over and over again, hoping that somehow we'll fill up the bowl of heaven in prayer, and that eventually he'll tip the bowl in our favor and we'll get the answers. But you know what? When we're praying like that, we're not actually approaching him in faith. We're approaching, we're begging him, God, please, please would you show up? And he's like, didn't you, didn't you already pray that prayer? So the, the only reason that I'm coming back and praying it again was because I lacked faith. <laughs> because I'm not really actually trusting that he's going to show up. And so I become just like this scripture. And I, I'm, just, I'm like a broken record, a mantra. And over and over again, I'm just begging God, God, please, like, please just show up over this issue that I've got. And he's like, I've already heard your prayer. I already knew it before you uttered it. Now it's time. Now it's time to go to phase two. Now you're standing in faith. Now you're moving into thanksgiving. I'm not continuing to just... Beg God like a broken record, hoping that if I nag him enough, eventually I'll get what I'm asking for. Can you see that? This is not how we approach the presence of God. We skip down to verse 31. It says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? How many of us 
worry about those things. Definitely not me. Sorry, I just thought I looked nice today, but I guess I was wrong. You know, <laughs> verse 32, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things, for your heavenly Father knows what you need, that he knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now here's the protocol I was alluding to. And all of these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, most of the things that we're begging God for would be resolved if we just actually followed the protocol. If we were to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things would be added to us. See, it's not that I'm not presenting, hey, God, I, I need to see a breakthrough over here, and I, I really need this. And you know what? Personally, I need some breakthrough. I need some inner healing. I need some, like, it's okay. Bring that to God. But you know what? When you bring it to God, you need to expect that he's a good father, that he's heard your prayer, that he knew it before you ever uttered it, that he actually wants to deliver it to you. And now you shift in what you're doing. Now you shift and you move into a place of, of faith and you approach him entirely different. Like, now, I, now I'm coming with expectation. You're really good. I've already prayed it. I don't know, listen, I don't even know that you need to pray it. Because it's, it doesn't say you, you pray it and then you see and here's the formula. It just says seek the kingdom of God. God knows all that stuff that you need. He's going to take care of you. You know what I do? I rarely pray a list to God. I come in and I, I, I get into God's presence and I'm like, oh, yeah, there you are. Thank you, Lord. I just hang out with him. Sometimes I'll go walk the property. You know, sometimes we just dream together. Like, wait a second, but don't you have a whole congregation of people that you need to be praying for? Yeah, I mean, in a sense, yeah. But I'm pretty sure he's got that covered. Why? Because that's included in all of the other things. That if I just sought first his kingdom and his righteousness. Right? For what it's worth, I think, just pray more time in the Spirit. Holy Spirit knows how to pray better than I know how to pray anyway. Bud, would you flip that left shade just a smidge, please? As I was preparing this morning, the Holy Spirit impressed this upon me, and I want to add it. It's not a rabbit trail per se, but it might derail me, so now you know, head time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pastor Misty touched on this a couple of weeks ago, talking about compromise and mixture. Seek first his righteousness. I, I wonder how many of us were, were in this place where we're begging God and we're consuming our prayer life with you know, us and all of the stuff that we need and all the while we have compromise and sin in our lives. And here we are begging God to show up and God on the other side is begging us to get rid of the encumbrances. He's begging us to deal with the stuff that he's already convicted us of. Seek first his righteousness and all these things will be added. And we're begging for all the things that need to be added at the expense of the righteousness because that sounds too hard. Because I'm not sure that it's worth it. Because I like the taste of the world. Because I like compromise. It's comfortable. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm concerned. I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit this morning that, that we're at this, this, this place where, man, if we, just, if we just sought his righteousness, his perfect ways that result in a holy people, like in fiery pursuit of him and his presence and his likeness in our life. It's like everything else would just take care of itself. 
but we're so compromised. We've got these pet sins, these things that, that we're comfortable with. Some of us, like we've long forgot that we're even dealing with them because they've just become a part of our lives, but yet there they are becoming the single largest stumbling block to you getting your prayers answered. And the whole time you're like, I thought you were good, God. I thought you were God. I thought that if I just prayed that you would answer my prayers. I thought that you were a God who always hears me and knows the concerns that I have before I ever pray them. And the whole time he's like, no, you're missing it. You have compromised and sin in there. And I can't do it. I can't release to you the favor and the joy and the peace, the stuff that I, that I want to release to you because you're bound up in the place of sin. You haven't sought first the righteousness of God. It's like we've skipped the protocol and we've gone right to, hey, I'm a king's kid. I'm entitled. Father's got a thousand you know, hills or cattle on a thousand hills. And, you know, let's just go straight to the provision part. Let's just go straight to, I want some stuff, God. Let's go straight to, I've got this list of needs and let's bypass the whole righteous path way that he's actually prescribed in his word. Man, oh man. Help us, Jesus. But I want you to see in the scripture also that, again, it reiterates your father knows what you need. So over and over again, we're hearing in the scripture that this is a really good father. He, he knows what you need. He's not like you. You know, like, he's like, like, he actually knows how to give good gifts. Like, you know how to give good gifts. Like, he's the one that, like, he's the gift giver. He, like, he's the reason why you know how to give anything at all. It came from him, and he is immeasurably better at it than you are. Right? If we want to experience his presence, if we, if we, if we truly are, are sincere about making this a core value, not just in this house, but in our individual lives, if we want to see here the things that are happening at Asbury, I think it starts with repentance. I think it starts with us sweeping all of the leaven out of our houses. It starts with us right on the front end kind of going, man, God, I'm so sorry that, I, that I'm compromised. I'm so sorry that I'm, that I'm, that I'm weak. Like, like, would you forgive me for that? Like, I think a lot of us, we've got to start right there before we even graduate to the next phase of what he has. And we need to shift out of this place. We're through the, through the excuse of prayer, the guise of prayer, we're giving God our laundry list that just keeps us meditating on all the dirty and miserable stuff that just continues to perpetuate a cycle of misery. We need to move into a different way of approaching him. As it turns out, he's actually giving us a prescription for that as well. Listen to Psalms 100, 1 through 5. I would preface it with this. I'd say, when you turn from your problems to praise... God draws near, and when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Isn't that what the word says? Listen to this. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord. Now, first of all, this is a charismatic church, so I have to take opportunities to point out that the Bible is actually charismatic. That's, cra that's crazy stuff. I don't know why that church would raise their hands and hoot hallelujah during the services. That's crazy. Well, it turns out it's in the Bible. Have you ever thought, like, start processing that. First, you have to read your Bibles. But think about the charismatic church. Think about the charismatic expression. When you get that in your head, you start reading the Bible, you find out, wait a second, that's funny. Like, I thought they made that stuff up. No. 
It's all right there. Shout joyfully to the Lord. You know what? We need to do it right now. Come on, let's shout. Woo! Shout joyfully. Ah! We've got to scare the demons off with our joy. Come on. Scare off that depression. That says, serve the Lord with gladness. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it just went downhill, didn't it? <laughs> Come before him with joyful singing. Like, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness ever, is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's camp on verse 3 and verse 5 for just a second. Now, how many of you know he's God and you're not? Right? Like, that's where the whole revelation begins. And if we could just camp right there for a little while, if we could get that revelation onto the inside of us, we would be doing good. Like, you're God, I'm not. I, like, I'm actually not in control of my life. I have a false illusion of that for the most part. Like, I can screw some things up. But at the end of the day, I'm a slave. I'm a, I'm a servant to the master who through his own blood he bought me and brought me into his family and into his servitude. He's God, I'm not. And how dare the pot look to the potter and say, why in the world did you create me like this? He's God, I'm not. Let me add this. He's also really good. We're going to get there in this very scripture. He's also really good. So it's not just slave master in the heaven dictating with this big stick, this is what you're supposed to do, right? It's really good, generous, like ridiculously amazing God in the heaven who knows the very number of the hairs on your head. That's who we're talking about. The Father who loves you beyond what you could ever ask or think. Like you cannot literally comprehend the amount that this God loves you. The God who has every star in all of the galaxies that we have yet to even measure as human beings. This God loves you, knows the number of hairs on your head. He's God, you're not. He's really good at his job. Amen? Amen. He's really good at his job. And so if I know that he's really amazing and that he's really good at his job, why do I need to bring a laundry list of, of beggary to him? I don't. He sees it all. He knows it all before I ever even ask. All I got to do is seek the kingdom and his righteousness. He's God. I'm not. That's the bedrock of this foundation. That was kind of redundant. You got it. Look at verse 5. Here's where we get to it. For the Lord is good. He's loving. He's faithful. And not just to you, but literally to everybody in all the generations. He has our best in mind. He knows our needs before we ask him, right? And because of this reality, I can let loose of my grip of control of my life. See, because that's the other thing that our laundry list of needs before the Lord comes out of. It's, it's fear and control. Because I'm in fear, I turn to control. By the way, this is the recipe for abuse, if you didn't know, in most cases. Because I have fear, I turn to control. Can I submit to you, there's nothing to fear. God's got it. Okay? He's got it. You don't need to control the details. You don't need to control the elements. You know? You just need to trust God. You need to move into a place where you can stand in faith, and where you can move into praise, and not grumbling and complaining. 
Grumbling and complaining, and complaining it positions us in a lack of faith with a God who isn't doing as much as we think he ought to be doing. Thanksgiving and praise positions our heart before a God who's better than we can ask or think. Suggesting in humility, you're God, I'm not. You're good at your job. You see stuff that I can't even conceive of. You're working it all for good. And I can step into thanksgiving and praise in the midst of the trial. I can actually step into his presence in the midst of the fire when I get a revelation of this in my heart and mind. Now we we skip back to to verse 4. Look at that. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Do you remember here a while back, I, I, I was talking about the, the boundaries message, and we used the, the analogy of the, of the fence. You've got the fence, and then you have a gate, right? And the gate actually lets people in. The fence keeps people out. You remember? It's an amazing message. This like, really good-looking guy preached it. You should look back at the archives. Stage wasn't as cool, but, but he, he did a good job. Now, so Jesus is actually... Like, in a sense, he's giving us the boundary message, but as it relates to his presence. He's saying, listen, I'm not trying to keep you out of my presence. I'm just pointing to the gate. This is the entrance point, like, into, into my presence. Like, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a, a roadmap. Like, we're turning on the GPS. Like, you want God's presence? Like, here's the, here's the roadmap into that place. And it starts out with thanksgiving, doesn't it? Isn't that right? Enter his course with thanksgiving. So I'm entering into his court. So I'm not even into the house yet. I'm just in the front yard. Right? I'm entering into the front yard through thanksgiving. Why would, I, why would I do that? Because it repositions my heart before a God who knows what I could ask before I ever ask it. It repositions my heart in a place of faith. Father, I thank you. And it, and it, and it brings to memory all of our faithful history with him. How many of you know, like, he, if you just take a moment, and we're terrible at looking back and having, like, these memorial stones to his goodness in our life, but take a moment and look back in five minutes, and you'll be like, yeah, you're right. God showed up then, and I, like, I didn't think like, that was different than I expected, but wow, he blew my mind in that, and, and look at how he rescued me here. And Thanksgiving brings to mind all of this faithful history with him. So I'm coming into, like, I'm, the, the prescription for his presence, the gateway to that is to position my heart in thanksgiving, not in grumbling and complaining. Notice it doesn't say that I'm entering into his, I'm entering into his, is it courts? Did I get it right? No, what's the first one? I'm into his gates. It doesn't say I'm entering into his gates with grumbling and complaining. I'm not entering into his gates with my laundry list of, of concerns and things that I need him to fix. I'm entering in with thanksgiving. Why? Because he already knows what I ever need before I ever ask it. Because he's already given me the protocol for my life and for answered prayers, his righteousness and seeking his kingdom. Like he's already given me all of that. I'm now entering into thanksgiving. Why? Because he's really good and because out of, like there's an inspiration of faith. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. Wow, while this situation could look a little bit bleak, I know you're not bleak. I know that you're not wringing your hands. Like, thank you that you have always bailed me out. Thank you, you have always provided for me. Even when it looked different than I expected, you've always done it. Like, thank you, God. But listen, anybody can get into your front yard. Think about this. Anybody can walk up into your front yard, Jehovah Witness, be like, like, uh, yeah, we're, we're here with the, with the Jehovah Witness Church. We want to tell you about a false Christ. 
Do you? That's, I, how'd you get in the front yard? Anybody could get in your front yard. Now you know. Some of you didn't know. It's, <laughs> now you know. There's lots of dispensing of truth here today. Yeah? But he talks about the courts. See, I, I, I'm positioning my heart in faith, and I'm, I'm coming into the, to the front yard, but how many of you know there's more? Like I, I'm not content just being in the, in the courtyard. I'm not, I'm not content being in the, in the front yard. I, I, I want to be invited into the house. Right? And there's only a select few people that get invited into your home. Everybody else, they're like, mm, you think we could come in and chat for a second? <laughs> no. We can chat right here maybe for a minute longer, but I'm busy. I don't know. See, it's a select few people that get invited into your home. God's giving us a prescription. We start with thanksgiving. Now we're beginning on the journey, but we result in praise. Listen, not grumbling and complaining, not giving our laundry list, but thanksgiving and praise. Why the praise? It's the same thing as the thanksgiving. I'm turning my heart, my affections, and all of my attention off of me. And I'm putting it 100% on him, the only one in the room who can do something about all the problems he's already aware of. This is the gateway to his presence. God, you really are better than we think. You've been so faithful and so kind. You've provided for me time and time again, even when it looked bleak. You protected me when I was scared in this situation. You, you touched my kids. You, like your perfect love smoothed over a lot of wrongs. Oh, you're so good. You're better than I can think. You got this. You're bigger than I know. Your plan is better than I know. See, the pathway to his presence is not the laundry list. It's not the complaints. It's not all the broken stuff. Listen, that's a pathway to you continuing to be sad and miserable. And the longer you are on that pathway, the more you get to this place where you're kind of going, I don't even know if God is those things. I don't know that God is going to show up. Why? Because all I've done is dwell on all of the negative stuff all this time. My time, I, I, I never got to the present. I'm, st- I'm, still outside the, I'm still outside the fence. Talking about where's God? Where's God? Why isn't he showing up? Why isn't he answering my prayers? I haven't even gotten into the fence. And I'm still compromised. How many of you know it's not God's fault? Amen or oh me. This is the biblical pathway to God's presence. And I don't know about you, but I want more than I can contain. I I want that kind of presence where I come out of my quiet time and all of a sudden I'm like instantly endued with more grace for my children. You know, I kid you not, half the time I'm in the middle of prayer, Josiah, who, you know, bless his heart, rarely stops talking, needs my attention 18 times. And I'm like, 
God, you're so good. Seriously, give me a minute. Like, you know, like what would it be like if my encounters with God in that place, what would it be like if, if it actually inspired grace for my relationships? Like, what would it be like if the, the, the things that had me all caught up over here out in the world and the confused and, and then ultimately depressed, what would it be like if I got into God's presence and actually began to experience that happy thing he's talking about? Where when I leave, I'm like, man, I've got more grace. Like, like everything's going to be just fine. It's like, it's, it's, I don't know, I'm thinking like a Mary Poppins song or something here. I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. He's got this. Like, like, what would it be like if I left his presence with faith for tomorrow, and faith for today, and 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 like lasting grace for my interactions? I'm I'm here to tell you, it's available, and he's given us the protocol. Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. So clean up your house. Move into thanksgiving, not grumbling and complaining, and follow that with praise. Why? Because he knew what you needed before you ever asked it. And he's abundantly better than you can ask or think. And he's got your back. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we know this. We know this is nothing new. We know this. Would you connect the dots on the inside of us? Would you do something profound on the inside of us? Would you help us to shift our standard of interaction with you? You know what we need. You know the desires of our heart. The whole time you just said, focus on me. That's it. (laughs) We pursue so many things looking for happiness in all the wrong places when this whole time happiness, the fullness of joy was actually in you. It was in your presence. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.